And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and some of the other platforms that we do Sunshine USA on. This is me, Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And it uh, looks like we're going to finish up another book of the Bible <laughs> in our study this evening. Uh, this evening we're going to be in the very last chapter of the book of Romans, Paul's epistle to the Romans, and uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, on the surface, it would seem that Paul has a lot of greetings and such um, here in the last chapter, but it's all important, and that's because there's something that we can learn from it if we look at it closely enough. We can see here in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I commend to you and our sister, Phoebe, a servant of the church of Centuria. Uh, now, where it says servant here, some versions of the Bible will say deaconess, and I understand deaconess would be probably the more literal Greek translation, but now I say that not being really that much of a Greek scholar myself. I just go by whatever Greek knowledge others have that have passed that on to me. But anyway, um, she was nonetheless a servant of the church in Centuria, and uh, Paul indicates that she was a great help to him as well. Now, some try to use Phoebe as an example of the fact that women can be deacons, but you have to take notice of the fact that this position, deaconess, was not necessarily the same as deacon. And then we have to use the Bible as its own best commentary. If we go to the writings of Timothy, in the New Testament, where he describes the qualifications of deacon, or I should say where Paul describes the qualifications of deacon to Timothy, uh, the indication is that a woman would not be qualified. So I don't think that she was considered a deacon in the same way that a man would be considered a deacon. But nonetheless, she was a valuable servant in the early church, and especially a, a valuable help to Paul in his ministry. And apparently she was the one who hand-delivered the letter of Romans to the Romans. So this was a position of trust. I mean, can you imagine how much work Paul put into the epistle of the Romans and if he put it into the hands of someone to deliver that he did not trust, then he would spend the rest of his life wondering whether the Romans ever got it. And we don't know how much longer he lived after he wrote the book of Romans. I suspect he probably lived another year or two, but that's just my suspicion. But nonetheless, I mean, you don't want to put all that work into something and then um, have it not get to the intended audience. 
And that's where Phoebe came in. And also, he wanted to make sure that when Phoebe reached the church at Rome to give them this letter from Paul, that they knew who she was and that she was a trusted individual as far as Paul was concerned. Now, Paul says, Welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her with anything that she might need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. So Paul has nothing but the finest things to say about her. Then he goes on to say, Great Priscilla or Presca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who have risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So Presca and Aquila uh, were people considered to be of great value to Paul. They were people who greatly assisted him in the work that he did, and also take note of the fact that they were fellow tent makers. They were fellow tent makers. And so Paul had a lot in common with them. And between making tents with them and working in the ministry with them, Paul had a lot of contact with them and knew them very well. And he was very grateful for the work that they did. And apparently they were so dedicated in the Lord, they even had a church that met in their house. Now, by the way, this was not an unusual thing. Most of the early churches in the New Testament were what we would refer to today as house churches. They were not very big. You know, nowadays, you know, you have big churches with big steeples, huge auditoriums, uh, carpeting, and padded pews and everything else. Uh, <laughs> and we're, we're enjoying buildings like that. But those were typically not the kind of church buildings you find in the New Testament. Uh, most of the New Testament believers met in people's homes. And one of the reasons for that was because they wanted to protect themselves from persecution. Now, here in the United States, as well as many other countries around the world, we take note of the fact that people today worship the Lord with great freedom and uh, with lots of liberties. But that has not always been the case. Many churches have met privately in people's homes really for centuries, especially during times of persecution. Now, of course, a secondary reason could be uh, the New Testament church in the days of Paul, it was still very young. And they didn't have the resources yet to build buildings specifically for churches in the early New Testament. So that might have been a secondary reason. Now, that being the case, you have to take all of that into consideration. Most of these churches were very small. Now, of course, they were growing churches. Absolutely, they were growing churches. And some of these churches grew at a faster rate than others. Just like today, we have a lot of growing churches today, and some churches today 
are growing at a faster rate than others. But anyway, churches back then tended to be small. They met in people's homes. And then Paul says, Greet my beloved Ephesus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. He was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Now this, of course, would have been probably before the Macedonian, the Macedonian call. Uh, Paul had a tendency for a while to want to go to Asia. And apparently he does have some converts in Asia. This guy being his first. And he was very proud of being able to lead this person to the Lord. Then Paul says in verse 6, Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow countrymen and fellow prisoners. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. And so he's apparently being comforted by fellow Christians that are in chains and prison just like he is. He says, uh, Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Now, we don't really have any record of what this guy Ampliatus did, but apparently he was someone that Paul loved greatly, a person who evidently helped Paul in a great way. And one of the things I point out about some of these everyday people that Paul is mentioning here, uh, Paul had help from any number of people. And except for the listing that we have here in the last chapter of Romans, we would never know who these people are. And even with their listing here in the last chapter of Romans, we still know little or nothing about some of these people. But we could take note of the fact that they were a helper to probably one of the greatest servants of God the world has ever known. He says, Great Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stratus. Great Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet all those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow countrymen. Greet those from the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tafena and Drafosa, women who have worked hard in the Lord. Now, you know, some people like to give Paul a hard time. They like to take the position that Paul didn't think very much of women, that uh, a lot of times Paul uh, was very disrespectful to women, but just the opposite is true. Paul was very appreciative for many of the women that served him faithfully. Many of the women who helped him do uh, the work of God, wherever he traveled. He was always grateful for their labor. He says, uh, Greet my beloved Persis, who worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me as well.
And a lot of us, you know, can think of women who have helped us to the point that they were like a second mom to us. Um, I remember when I was in college, uh, we had a school nurse who, in many ways, was almost like a second mom to me, you know. Uh, number one, I had to see her twice a week to get an allergy shot. And every time we met, we talked about what's going on at the school, and we talked about the ministry, and we talked about her work as a school nurse. And uh, she was just a great all-around person, still living as I understand it, and um, loves the Lord. And like I say, she was like a second mom to me. Great Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Now here he has a longer list of people, none of which we know much about, but apparently all meant a lot to Paul. Then he says, Crete, fellow Logos, and Julia, Arias, and his sister, Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with the holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Now, it has to be pointed out here that Paul is very grateful for all of these people, most of which, like I say, even though they're mentioned here, we still know little or nothing about them. But nonetheless, Paul is very grateful. And Paul wants to go on record thanking them for what they have done for him. You see, Paul knew something about the art of gratitude. The art of gratitude. And, and let me say something very important here. You always need to express thanks publicly for those people who have helped you in significant endeavors. For example, some of you, in the next couple of weeks, you're getting ready to graduate from college and seminary. And as you get ready to graduate from college and seminary, I hope you'll think about all the people that did things to help you get through college and seminary. Everybody from your wife to your parents to friends at your home church. Maybe they sent you occasional financial contributions. Maybe uh, they gave you words of encouragement. Call or write these people or even visit with them if you can and let them know how grateful and thankful you are for the way that they encouraged you to get through your education. Let them know how indebted you feel to them. And you will be amazed how honored they will feel when you let that be known to them. It's so discouraging when somebody goes out of their way to do something for you and they get no acknowledgement for that whatsoever. Now, let's go on. Paul next will talk about the subject of avoiding divisions. He says, now I urge you brothers to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Turn away from them. 
For such people are not serving the Lord, Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Paul here is putting great emphasis on the overall importance of being um, careful to avoid divisions. Careful to avoid divisions. Uh, Paul put a lot of value on the unity in the church. And he had nothing but disdain for those that would sow seeds of discord among the brethren. And um, Paul felt that as Christians, we ought to do everything we can to help unite and unify our churches. It says, everybody has heard about your obedience, so I want to rejoice with you, but I also want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So he's complimenting them. He's letting them know that they are indeed and in fact known for their obedience. But he also wants them to know that the battle is not over. You and I know that as long as Satan is on this earth, he's going to battle us. We also know we have to battle with our sin nature, you see. When you got saved, whenever that was, you got saved, but your sin nature was not eradicated. And now how now um, we have greetings from Paul's fellow workers. Um, Paul wanted to make sure that he used his lines of communication so that others on his team could express thanks and gratitude for what had been done for them. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you greetings as to Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my fellow countrymen. Now, in this particular list here, obviously the only person we know is Timothy. Now, Timothy was a young preacher, and Paul had the good fortune of taking him under his wing and teaching him pretty much anything and everything he knew, and that was a good thing. Now, the rest of these dudes here, we don't really know much about. (laughs) But like I say, I'm sure they were great people. They were wonderful people. We just don't know much about them. And that's why I say, you know, in heaven, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people getting awards on awards day that we never heard of before. They're going to be people that did things we never heard about. But nonetheless, their contributions were great. Here we read in verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. So here it seems that Tertius has taken it upon himself, since he's doing the writing anyway, to make sure that he gets mentioned. (laughs) He doesn't want to be left out. And of course, what he does is very important, because he's actually writing, doing the writing for Paul. Now, he's not putting everything together, he's saying exactly what Paul tells him to say, but he's doing the writing. Now, the theory is that 
Paul had some kind of problem with his eyes so that writing and even reading for that matter was difficult. And so therefore, Paul decided that somebody needed to write for him. And Paul was using this guy, Tertius, to write down the letter that we know as the book of Romans. And think about how grateful we are for the work that he did. Then we have Gaius, who hosted me, and all the church sends you greetings. Erastius, the city treasurer, sends you greetings, as does our brother Gordus. Now, this name Erastius is pretty interesting because of the fact that he appears to be the city treasurer or a government official. So this could mean that Paul was instrumental in leading government officials there to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in Rome. And uh, we know that Paul probably led a number of Roman guards to the Lord. For a long time there, he was chained all day to a Roman guard. And I'm sure these Roman guards worked in shifts. And so during the 12 hours or so that they would spend chained to Paul, they had no choice but to listen to anything and everything Paul had to say. Bearing in mind, you know, he's basically preaching to Tertius, the guy writing for him. And so these guards had to listen basically to every word that Paul said. And no doubt, as a result, many of these Roman guards got saved and came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> this is a great thing. Then we come to verse 25, where Paul says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you by my gospel and by the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery concealed for the ages past, but now revealed and made known through the writings of the prophets by the command of the external God in order to lead all nations to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. So what we have here is Paul giving something of a doxology. And he is letting them know that he has enjoyed proclaiming the gospel to them. Now, one of the things we pointed out, I believe, in the last broadcast is that Paul um, was very determined to come to Rome all along, but not right away. He wanted to spend a lot of his ministry planning churches and preaching the gospel in places where Christ was not already known. And you can imagine that's quite a challenge. I mean, can you imagine the challenge you would have on your hands if your church decided to send you as a missionary, say, to a tribe down in Africa, and you spend ahead of time 
a couple of months trying to do a crash course on the study of the language of those people so that you could tell them about Jesus Christ. I mean, how would you tell someone about Christ who had never before heard about Christ? Can you imagine what a tremendous, enormous undertaking that would be? Amen. And so Paul wanted to make sure that he spent a lot of his ministry doing that. And then he had that offering to take to Jerusalem. Now you'll recall there were a lot of people that didn't want Paul to go to Jerusalem. They said, Paul, you're going to run into bad news if you go to Jerusalem. There's people there that want to kill you. And that was true. And so when he got to Jerusalem, they arrest him. They decide to prosecute him. And that's what ultimately leads to Paul coming to Rome as a prisoner. Now, the good thing is Paul got to come to Rome, but not in the manner he wanted to, probably. <laughs> he came there in chains. He came there as a prisoner. But fortunately for him, the Romans didn't consider at first the charges against him too serious. So they gave him a lot of liberty. Now, because of that liberty, he might have been able somewhere in that time to go at least briefly to Spain, which we know was one of the goals that Paul had. But he wanted to go to Rome first. Now, one of the reasons he wanted to go to Rome on his way to Spain was because the church was already well established in Rome. And the church in Rome would probably be in a good position to help finance his trip to Spain. And then, of course, he knew that ultimately he would have to come back to Rome, where hopefully he would have some great reports about what God did for him through him in Spain. Now, the big question is, did Paul ever actually go to Spain? That we do not know. That we do not know. We don't know if Paul ever made it to Spain or not. We, we do know, according to the last chapter that we read last time, that he did have plans to go to Spain. That was part of his itinerary. But whether he got to go or not, we just simply do not know. But ultimately, he was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I've often wondered, uh, you know, would I be willing to die for Christ? I, I'd like to think I would. I, I certainly hope that I would. And I feel like the Lord would give me the grace to do that if it ever came down to that. Because I think we've got dark days ahead for us as a Christian church. I mean, I believe... With all my heart, great persecution lies ahead. Now, whether or not I'll live long enough to see the persecution that's coming, I don't know. But I think as the church goes forward into the future, we're probably going to see less and less, um, how do I want to put this, less and less freedom and more persecution even more Christians having to die for the cause of Christ, as was the case of Paul. 
But I do know, and I do feel that if it ever came down to that, and I live long enough to see that, then the Lord would give me the grace that I need to do that at that particular time. And this, of course, will pretty much bring the book of Romans to an end. And boy, what a great book this has been. Now, I have to admit, um, <laughs> I feel like we have only hit the highlights of the book of Romans. There's so much rich and deep stuff here. And we could very easily justify spending a whole lot more time in Romans than what we actually have. But I do think that we hit the high spots. Some people consider uh, the book of Romans to be perhaps one of the greatest books that Paul ever wrote. Of course, I, I sort of take the position they're all great, so don't ask me to pick out which one I think is the greatest. I just don't know. And my thinking is you probably don't know either. Amen? Amen. <laughs> now, I do know of all the books that Paul wrote, we have the book of Hebrews. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I know that there's... Uh, a lot of debate among Bible scholars on that subject. Some people feel, yes, Paul wrote Hebrews. Other people say, no, he didn't. <laughs> I have some old Bibles going back to my teenage years. Most of them are King James Version Bibles. And they would say something above the heading of the book of Hebrews. It says, um, and apostle, uh, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews, or something to that effect. Now that, of course, would not have been in the original um, manuscript because that's just a heading that man added. But it indicated that back in the 50s and 60s, it was commonly believed that Paul wrote Hebrews. It's been only since that time that modern scholarship has come along to cast doubt on whether or not Paul wrote Hebrews. I mean, my position is, if he didn't write Hebrews, it's still the Word of God, and we could certainly thank God for that. And the other thing is, um, we can know that Paul wrote a lot of books whether or not he wrote Hebrews. I think he wrote all total 13 books. If you think that he didn't write Hebrews, he wrote 14 books if you think he did write Hebrews. I think he wrote 14 books because I think he wrote Hebrews. Now, let me let you in on something. If you read the last part of the last chapter of Hebrews, you will find that part of Hebrews reads very similar to the ending of Rome. Paul thanking those who have meant so much to him, or at least someone that writes a lot like Paul. So if it wasn't Paul, it certainly had to be someone close to Paul, maybe one of his students, maybe one of his associates in the ministry. I think it was Paul, and so we'll just let it go at that. Now, the question is, where do we go from here? 
And I'll be very honest with you, I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. I don't know what book of the Bible we will do next. But be praying that the Lord will reveal to me what book of the Bible we should be studying next. And we'll be sure to do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you have any prayer requests or praises to God, you can email me. That's the easiest and most direct way to contact me. Um, my email address, I've got two of them, by the way. One of my email addresses is warrenlandis at yahoo.com, and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Either way, you will reach me, and I will personally pray over every prayer request that you send in, and I will answer every question you have for me regarding the Bible. And if you want me to share these publicly, I'll be glad to do that as well. I mean, after all, when it comes to Bible study questions, uh, the question you have, uh, when I answer that question, it might help someone else in addition to you. And of course, where prayer requests are concerned, it can be a great comfort to know that we have Christian people all around the world that are hearing your prayer requests and they will join you praying for whatever problem or situation you're facing. Uh, I don't know about you, but to me, that's powerful. I mean, I, I consider that very powerful. I need all the prayer I can get. A lot of times I tell people I need to pray and you need to practice. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um, <laughs> pray for me, by the way. I went to the doctor today. I had what they call an echocardiogram. I do not know how that came out. I really don't. I don't know how the echocardiogram came out. I can only uh, say that I will hopefully find out in a day or two. And hopefully that will answer some questions about some of the health issues that I'm having now. <laughs> so just... Join the doctors in prayer that they will be able to find out what's wrong. And uh, and let's, in fact, go to God in prayer right now, and I'll pray for you and your problems. Dear Lord, I just want to pray right now for my listeners. Lord, I know that many of them have many issues in their life, just like I have. We have listeners that need healing. We need we have listeners that have financial needs. We have listeners who are having problems in their school studies. We have young people that are deciding, Lord, what it is you want them to do with their lives. And thank God that we have young people that want to live for the Lord. Not just now, but all the days of their life. And now, Lord, I thank you for this radio ministry, Sunshine USA. I thank you, God, that we go into countries all around the world where we are preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, I've enjoyed being with you this evening. This is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.